Welcome back to Conversations with Coco and Friends. I'm your host, Coco, aka Katrina Smart. Every episode, I'll be having real conversations with the people who inspire me. We go deep and we go there. And I've got my girls with me. This podcast is co-hosted by two of my friends who I happen to also work with. Cleo is a kick-ass producer and a problem solver. And Pilar is an insane director and social media manager. We hope you enjoy these conversations as much as we enjoy having them. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ladies, I'm so pumped for today's conversation. It's a gloomy one out here. It's actually raining right now, but I'm feeling hyped because we're chatting with the baddest, and by the baddest, I mean the best mom duo, Kat and Nat. These moms went from hosting small, intimate events that I actually was a speaker at once, to leveling it up all the way to have not only a tour in North America, but bringing it all the way across the pond to England. They're international, yo. Even if you're not a mother, you'll laugh at everything they say. They're just so real. And we are so honored to have them on the podcast today. Um, So you two queens keep it all the way 100 all the time. And we love that. We're here for it all day, every day. And we feel like really early on in your journey, like the dinner party days as a creator in the early growth stages, I feel like you were eager to try to get everything and see what sticks. So even if that means being inauthentic and that not just you, like everybody, it kind of happens in the game. But what helped you both stay true and genuine to yourselves through this growth and this journey? And you know what is so weird is advice made us go inauthentic like people's opinions of what would make us successful and what we should be doing. And traditional media really made us be people who it was Pinterest based when we started, everything was Pinterest. And they were like, you need to be doing crafts and how to, it was really when, I don't know if you remember, what are they called? The moms? Oh God. The something moms. They were, what's up moms? What's What's up on YouTube? And they were huge and they were doing five minute crafts. And, you know, the traditional media was like, you'll never be the right demographic for us or like, you're not this. And and they they were, they had little kids, like we had little kids and we had all these little kids. So there was like this image of what a mom should be putting out there into onto the internet and onto TV. You should be a mom who is trying to, you know, come across like you're perfecting motherhood and like you do recipes and you do crafts and you organize your house and And your kids all dress alike and you get, you have your, are we allowed to swear? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. And your family just look like Mickey Mouse. I yeah. got big bento boxes. <laughs> yeah, and you make like brown food art, like quinoa and avocado oil. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and you don't swear. Yeah. And no. you don't tell the truth. Yeah. And then the cameras, 
the cameras would go off and we'd be like, motherfucker. Like we would yeah. be one, you know, we, I think we were actually doing a cooking, cooking videos and I was loopy and we started to get naughty in the videos. Cause if you put us in something too long for like, to, we can't stay good for too long yeah, or we begin yeah. to go off the rails <laughs> and we began to go off the rails and it, it was the funniest shit ever because it was, it wasn't even that bad. And we just began to keep, we couldn't stay good for too long. We couldn't stay for too long. And you know, it's so funny is we never used to talk about the fact that um, we dropped out of high school and we would we would go to a house and the two of us would smoke weed uh, at lunch and then not go back to school. Yeah, I dealt like drugs like to my friends and family for a while. <laughs> so thoughtful. I know, so thoughtful. You know, I didn't, I, know, you. I, didn't know, I didn't know math well and I had like 80 ounces, like a bag, like, you know. Like back when you home. when you used to sell them by dime bags? By the buds, right? <laughs> yeah, by the, by the bag of buds. And I was like, shit, I got to get Ricky out or go to jail time for the life. You know, we never shared any of that stuff. And we didn't even share, like, we didn't even, like, touch upon or talk about, like, postpartum depression. We just kept it really surface so it was easy to watch. But it was so hard for us to fake it. But we had this manager at the time. He's like, this is what you got to do. Like, this is what the... Yeah, 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 yeah. Unnamed man. <laughs> a lot of people were telling us what to do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. Now it, it's come full circle where authenticity is almost like a catchphrase. So we have people like you need to be more authentic, almost faking your authenticity. And you realize if anybody's telling you you need to be more of something of who you are, then it's inauthentic in itself right like be yourself is it's almost the hardest thing for most people to be because yes. they're always putting on a mask and fronting to be something that they're not because they're selling a package of what they think the world wants you to be so kudos to you guys for always being the real deal it's, it's, you know and the audience everyone's so sophisticated now on social media it's like you can see right through it like you watch someone and it's like it's like they're putting on an outfit and then they come on the screen and then they act a certain way and then you know they take it off and they're like that was exhausting. You know, it's like that must be exhausting. You know, the people put on like this, like this, like a broadcast up speed too. And you're like, Mm -hmm. what are you, what's happening right now? Like you definitely don't talk like that. (laughs) (laughs) So weird. Hello and good morning. It's so lovely to see everybody. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Like ASMR. (laughs) Literally. The second the camera starts rolling too, it's like that facade is turned on. Yeah. And it's so obvious. We're not about that life. You two mentioned going to high school together. So how did you even meet? How did you build this brand from the beginning? Tell our listeners who aren't familiar with you too. Okay. So, uh, so we actually did meet when we were in, in ninth grade here in Toronto at Northern Secondary School. And Northern. we had mutual friends, but um, our mutual, nice group of girls, everything. But there was, there was something about the two of us where we just <laughs> started, like, we'd always end up like just being outside the school and being like, want to go smoke a joint? Like all the other people went to school. They all, you know, graduated and they went to university right after school. Like they all followed that same track. Still, still know those girls, still friends with them. But it was the two of us that was like, I just don't feel like I, uh, like I can concentrate in a class. I have no idea what's fucking going on. Let's just go and do that. And it's, it's just like this, it's been the same kind of like little rebellious um, 
something that we have in common that we connect on that level. So after high school, we went our separate ways, but we always sort of kept in touch. Like she had gone into child and youth work and then become a social worker. I was kind of lost at the time. And I was like, maybe I should go into child and youth work, work for her. So I would call her, ask her about the program, enrolled, did like did it, dropped out of that too, but um didn't finish. But same kind of program. We both like traveled Europe for months and we talk talk about our trips. And then it was when we were the first of all of our friends because we thought it would be just so magical to have a baby. Like it would be so cool. We'd look so cute, like pushing the strollers down down the street, our hair and our outfits would be, and it would be so good. We'd love our husband. It would be I so was out for the pumpkin packs. You know that I was do so it for cute. the content. <laughs> All of it. What? I was like, do it for the content. <laughs> exactly. There wasn't even content back then. <laughs> it was just like blow up. It's all those people faked to us that there was no real content out there. It was and just we, fake. We finally, like, we were like, okay, well, you have a baby. I have a baby. Like, we both still live in Toronto. Let's hang out. And then we started to realize, like, when we were able to open up about how overwhelmed we were in motherhood and the realities that, like, we didn't want to have sex with our husbands didn't mean that we necessarily wanted to divorce them. Like, couldn't sleep at night. I love that. (laughs) You know, life is long, okay? Very Um, long. and And then just, like, how... what we thought would be so magical actually wasn't feeling very magical. So when we were able to open up, we were like locked in for life. Like we never left each other's side because we were like, I have, I have my person here to support me. I have my wife. I got that husband, but but this is more important. And we've just been together ever since. So good. So real. We say balance doesn't exist. I'm not sure how you guys feel about that, but it's more of a juggle and trying to like you know, keep all the plates in the air. Um, how are you guys with seven kids between you able to maybe not find balance, but have enough time to still have wine without babies and enjoy your life outside of motherhood? Yeah, we're bored. We have so much time on our hands. We, can, <laughs> we are a unique brand of people where I think we don't think too much about, <laughs> we're not in our heads. We don't spend a lot of time overthinking where we think forward a lot and really fast. And I think we find self-care in laughter and in fun mm-hmm. and in joy. And I think that the noise and the mess of our children, we find our joy within those moments. We don't need to go somewhere to find it. I think we live joyfully in a big way. And I think that's a big part of our job. And, you know, through friendship and conversation and laughter and community, I feel like I think we self-care all day by what we do. And I think we self-care. I mean, we have peed our pants so many times as adults, you know, and I haven't haven't done it in a while. I'm looking at you're looking and our life is (laughs) we're joy seekers really. And I think that our whole life with our children is based on fun, playful moments. Mm -hmm. And that's when we feel like our self-care is not there is when we don't have that. So we're, I think we're the opposite of everybody else where we, we live on energy of people and things and life. And so to go, we hate being quiet and alone. We hate that. We would much prefer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We'd love to be on a plane with a bunch of people and places and we like to live hard and fun and fast well, we know you guys are my heroes my hero mm. mm. all right ladies you can tell when we haven't beat our pants or when we haven't laughed so hard we cried that we need we need to go seek it and find it yeah our energy yeah. yeah i actually like a couple months ago i i said that out loud i was like i haven't laughed 
hard in a long time. And I was like, whoa, okay, now I know COVID is winning, you know? Now I know this yeah. isolation is winning. Cause like, it, you're, I'm, not, I'm watching serial killer shows and I'm by <laughs> myself a lot. Yeah. And now I'm not even laughing, but it's true. It's, it's the joy seeking, it's beautiful. And I mean, you make it sound so easy and finding joy and just being able to let go of all of the shit. Like, what is your first piece of advice for people who are such planners and so stuck on this has to be a certain way. Like, how can you just free the mind of that? We drive our husbands crazy because they're like, do you ever feel anything no. other than happiness? And we're like, <laughs> you know, okay, this is so cheesy, but you know, we feel very thankful just to wake up. And I think that is so cliche, but when you, you come from a place of like gratitude, like when you're, I don't mean practicing gratitude, but when we genuinely say from the core of us, before COVID hit, we would be on planes. And I mean, well, the things we were doing, we, we've been so thankful for everything that has happened and happens to us that we don't even really see the bad and we can acknowledge it. So like, I don't look back and be like, oh my God, I, I wish I had, we had taken something, enjoyed more. I wish we had gone and enjoyed dinner. We enjoy so much of every day, whatever situation we're in, that you could put us in a closet and we would have fun because <laughs> really, I think we just live in a very basic way that isn't, we don't need more. We're very driven, but we don't seek out things that, like I get it's just we're basic. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is, I think it's really I, I, we so often we're we're so thankful for our life because we well first of all we watched our single moms struggle really 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 hard and we're so grateful for the life that we have and we're very aware that there are people who have it so much mm -hmm. harder than us. So we don't spend a lot of time focusing on the things that haven't happened to us and um, the negative things, because how could I complain about anything? So it's easy to just be like, enjoy what you've got because you have it right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our, right now our kids are healthy. We'd still like our husbands for now. And <laughs> we're so happy for that. I feel really grateful. And I, you know, I don't remember when we were watching our moms, when we look back at how hard it was for them. I don't remember them complaining. You know what I mean? But it must have been so hard looking back. I'm like, I have it a lot easier than my mom had it. And I, and I, I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. And we remember our moms. I remember my, you know, my dad lived in Rosedale and my mom lived in a cabin in the woods with no toilet, no electricity. Like I had a very intricate, like she lived in, we used to have to go to the bathroom outside when I was with her. Anyways, it's a whole nother story. Very juicy. And, and, <laughs> but in my world, it wasn't weird when I would go to either side and I, my, when I was with my mom, we were going to the bathroom outside and sleeping on the floor all in one room. I remember her never being, it was, she was always giggle. I, she was giggling and happy and it's an adventure guys. We have raccoons. It's so, so exciting. <laughs> and it sounds delusional. And she did tell me, you know, she's like, a, you know, Kat, she was like, it wasn't easy. And sometimes she said at one point, she actually was like, would it be better if I wasn't here? Like, remember she told us yeah, that story. Yeah. And I was like, a heartbroken. But I mean, we used to like wake up. I'm not joking at 430 in the morning before school and roll papers and stuff them and throw paper roots to make extra money. But we were all sitting on the papers and my brothers and friends would want to come sleep over because they got to do. Alex was like, I love doing the paper route with you. So I think we both come from a place where we know we'll be okay with whatever is handed to us. So mm -hmm. when you have that core of knowing you're locked and loaded, like if yeah. we were on an island, we would get off and have fun while we were at it. We've made cry a bit, you know, like 
have some <laughs> desperate times. I would find that topless hot man that lives on the island and I would take every advantage of those photos. You would. I, and I, I would. Yeah, you would. You just, you just, that's, I'd, I'd that's the best food. part. I'd, I'd be like, let me get you some food. Are you hungry after that? <laughs> that was exhausting. <laughs> Give me some food. Being able to find the fun and stuff, like, I don't know, I'm big on that too. And I like to be like a silly clown and being able to show up and be yourself in all of whatever glory you want to show up as a person with your people makes everything so much better all the time. Because then you could just be at home literally getting drunk on a Wednesday night and you're like, <laughs> this is the best night I've ever had. And really mean that because that's that's what you that's what you have. And that's what you decided is is true. That's what you decided. Were you watching me on Wednesday? <laughs> no, we were getting drunk on Wednesday night. So. Yeah. We definitely got drunk. We met we were. Yeah, we, we had a night. meeting. Of <laughs> course. It was, it was a day. But actually, funny enough, now that you guys have shared some fun, embarrassing stories, because we love those things, what is like the most embarrassing shit that's ever happened to you guys live on air? We have so many. I mean, I was just saying to Nat, like, there are some, some like that are like, you know, rated R that are for drinks and not on a podcast, but um, they, they, we're never telling those stories. No, they never. <laughs> you know, like, tell them in real our, life to us. Over our first show, for our first show in Boston, we had done it all by ourselves and we'd never done a live show to this magnitude. And there was, was like, like 2,000 people live in the audience. It was sold out. It's my sold- husband is from Massachusetts and my in-laws were in the audience. Now, Ooh. we didn't even know our whole crew was family. So they were like doing everything. We didn't know... A, we did the whole set by ourselves. So we roll up, we're like blowing up our own things and like we buy our own. Which my mother in law's like, Don't you have somebody to blow up those balloons? I'm like, uh, no. I'm not paying anybody, I'm doing it. It's awesome. And so we do half the show and then it's intermission and her whole family's back there. And they're like, Cat and, and, and one girl who works for us. And one girl, Cat, you're doing great. Nat, you need to drink more. You need to you loosen, need to loosen stuff up there. So they start flowering shots and drinks. Like, you're going to loosen up the strippers are coming in the second half. I really got to warm up. You need to loosen up. So they're plowing her with liquor. How terrible in hindsight. So it's like, I'm doing a bad job. Yeah, so she's in her head being like, doing a terrible job. So then we get back out there. Now she's shit canned, okay? Like, (laughs) plastered. And we're our first show, 2,000 people. There's like reviewers there, okay? People who write in newspapers about your show because it's like a new show on the thing. And all was, the theaters talk to each other. Yes, and it was our first set and we wanted everything to be perfect. So we hired this florist to do these like beautiful glass, glass vases and flowers. <laughs> well, now I'm plowed and we're dancing and my butt is bigger than I thought. And I back up and I smash the vase. <laughs> all over the stage people are coming out with their hands and knees and the vase was the size of us it was a life size it was like a six foot vase and everyone's like (laughs) and i'm like now i did a bad job first half i'm wasted the second (laughs) half like i don't think we could do this anymore we just smashed the vase oh i mean oh yeah white one other one that was really hard was we were this is back when we were working with brands going on like you know, the news in the morning, it was like probably global something. And we were working with a brand and they had uh, a jacket and it had a fur collar. And it was really expensive because it was real fur. So, I mean, they brought it to the set. They had me put it on. I was modeling it. And there's the PR agency. Yeah, did it. Yes. Wear this one. Okay, fine. And then the, the, the interviewer is like, and of course, this is not real fur, right? And I'm like, because the PR agency wants to say how expensive it is. It's real fur. And I look at it, I go, of course no. it's not. And I was like, oh my God, what was I supposed to say? I am wearing like mink or something. I don't even know, but I just have to go with it now. Now the Brooke Brothers is like, 
we should sell a real fur. We want people to buy it. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not gonna. Do this. I don't know what to say. It's here. vegan. Yeah. <laughs> Learn my lesson. Don't wear fur on TV. Yeah, never do that. What gave you guys? We're speaking of, of your live shows, which I see are coming back. So congratulations, yes. that's amazing. What gave you guys the idea to bring it offline and bring it back into communities and all over the U.S. Cocktails in New York City. Yeah, getting drunk yeah. in New York City. We were like, this would be well. Actually, we would talk about it on our Facebook lives and be like, we should do this. And like, wouldn't it be so fun to meet everybody? And we thought it would be like, we really wanted to have like a party for people and have fun and make it an event. So a theater said to us, Glenn Gould was like, we'll get you the theater, have fun. And we are like, okay. So they gave us a theater. We filled the theater. We had like Matt Basile who did all the catering. We made it like a, an event for women to come and hang out. We did a show, they live streamed it. And then we thought we'd just go have cocktails with everyone in the lobby after. We so much fun. So we walk out to the lobby and then we're fucking mauled. And we're like, what the hell is going? We're like, I was like, dude, we live in the same city. I'm just like a mom. We're like, dude, mom. And we're like, we just came to like have drinks with you all. And it was like, they were great. We not even, there was no security. And then our team was like, Whoa! they didn't know what to do. Because it was all, all of our one team members, moms and sisters who volunteered to help us out. And then the, the staff had to be like, holy shit and they had to get us out of there and it was it was insane and then our women need this we want to do this we dream we just kept talking about it like it was a fake thing like you know you know kind of always say like one day let's let's go and like have vows and get married just when we say things out and you say it enough i feel like it just all came together so we know we need to keep talking out loud our agents were like well you did one show in your hometown i don't know if you can do it elsewhere we're like you know what we're gonna give it a go so then we flew to san antonio and we did a show there and it went well and then they were like we'll give you two more big ones and you can see if you can do it there before they would um before they would book a tour Mm -hmm. And then we went to Boston and New Jersey on one weekend. And Sean came with us. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So we did those and we were like, what the hell is going on? And we had a lot of fun. And here we are, 115 cities later or something. And the ironic part, not ironic, I don't know, but like the mission that we started ever doing anything was to do small events in Toronto uh, for, for moms that and their kids couldn't be there and they could drink wine. And it was, it was always about bringing the, these women together. And our husbands used to ask, say, like, how much money did you make? And we never really cared. We're like, we made $100. And they're like, but how much of your time did you spend? <laughs> and how much did you spend setting it up? And we're like, right. No questions, please, dudes. And it, but it all comes down to the exact same thing. It's the reason that we do this on social media. It's the reason we go on tour is just to bring, give women excuse to come together, bond, hopefully without any judgment, open-minded and just like laugh so it's always been the same it's just sort of changed its ways and i mean cross cross borders too which is amazing I and, know. and not easy to do i mean you know we did shows in the uk what oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh so fun hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. What has been your biggest challenge of navigating COVID? I would say getting energy from other people. I guess if you're an extrovert, that you feed off of other people's energies. And I really do from, from the server at a restaurant to Mm -hmm. the person that you buy clothes. So everyone, it's like, I just, I I steal their energy. I just like get it. And when, when I don't have it, it's just those same people all the, I mean, it's just, it it, it doesn't, it's like the fire doesn't feel ignited, you know, like the excitement of being around new people isn't there. So that's, I think that's been the hardest for my soul. The unknown, like not knowing when we're getting out of here, like just never, the never ending, you know, like watching the kids lose so much, you know, like I'm not even sure my kids uh, know what, how to talk to people outside of this family, you know, like I- Tracy Moore posted this morning. When? When? Like when? The the not knowing. When? 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 That's so hard. That's really hard. And I would just say that in the the stress, like you can feel the stress, you know what I mean? Like the stress Mm of, you know, not, we, we, a tour was a huge income for us and that was gone overnight. And, you know, we've had to really adjust a lot and to keep our team members and, you know, like, listen, we talk about optimism and joy, but shit's hard. Like, but I think at the end of the day, it's like, what can you, what's out of your control is out of your control. What's in your control is in your control. Let the rest go. And my husband gave me a smackdown last night. He did not smack me. He just <laughs> said, you're talking too depressing. You're bringing down the conversation because you're talking about all the things that you can't do and why you're so, why you, this is all so confusing. And he's like, I need you to know that none of it does make sense. Like all these contradictions, don't try and make sense of them. Just like, wait. And I'm like, fuck you. Good night. <laughs> I'm going to crack a bottle of wine or two. I don't have any more words for you, young man. But of course I thought about it. I was like, okay, I'll, okay, I'll ease up. I'll ease up. Yeah. And that almost gives you, there's freedom in that too. It can feel confining the lack of control, but once you know that one, it's not just happening to you, it's actually happening to the whole world. Yeah. And that, yeah, you know, that, that it would suck if you had lost your job and you couldn't go outside and you just because of you, Mm -hmm. but because everybody else is going through it. That's the only thing that kind of keeps me going, you know, through the hardest parts is that it's not my fault and it wasn't my choice. So we have to just kind of. And then you need those people to just check you because it's so easy for your mind to just become a hamster wheel and you just go off into the most crazy scenarios. And the news tells you nothing new. I can't stop watching for something. You got to turn that off. I had to turn it off. It's concerning. Yeah. Carla was washing her hands so much that she like got like, cracked bleeding skin because she was so freaked out about because cnn was always on i'm like no we're not watching that anymore oh i think it's the school right now she came home with like burnt hands because they always say sanitizer she's like i stand up sanitizer i walk to the door sanitizer i go to the washroom sanitizer i was like yes i had to tell my i had to email her teacher and be like what the heck is she allergic to something her hands were burnt from like send a picture of the teacher and say look what's going on what is going on that they're burnt and cracked 
hurt. I, she was like, my hurt hands hurt so much, mommy. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh my God. And they keep saying when COVID, because you know, the little ones, my daughter is five. She was three when COVID started. Oh, wow. Sorry. Yeah. She was just four and then turned five and she's turning six. Like yeah. a, lot of her life. a lot of her life has a been locked in a, in a house. So crazy. On a more uplifting note, we love that you're still bringing (laughs) us content through your Mom Truths podcast. So how did you decide to start your podcast and how's it going now? Give us a little update. This is a great story. This is a great story. So we're represented by BME. Those are our agents. And one of our agents said, you know, I think you'd be... did someone come to her? There's like a bunch of podcast networks that would that you, we should get you into, and someone's interested. Yes. Let's bring them an idea or two of what you think would be good. And we had a call with this girl. She's like, I just got this job with this new podcast agency. The first people I thought of was you guys to come on and and be. I I love you. I'm so excited. I know who you are, and I get to introduce you to my bosses. So I'm going to just go go check, make sure. And I'm so excited. You're excited. We're like, yeah, oh my gosh, we're going to be represented. And then basically our, our agent came back and said, the podcast agency doesn't actually want you. Like she didn't, she wasn't able to sell you to them. We're like, you were the fucker who brought it to us. We weren't even thinking about this. You brought it to our attention, said how great we were. And now your agency doesn't want us. Okay. Fine. Fine. So the next day we started a podcast. (laughs) On our own, no agency, just like, like sit in a room and just start talking. We had a cell phone, we did it on an app and we did it and we did it for a year on our own and we got nominated for an iHeartRadio podcast award in 2019 because 2020 was so we got, we, we flew to LA and we did the whole thing and we didn't win obviously, but um, we got nominated <laughs> as an independent, you know, not with a network. We weren't making any money off the podcast then, were we? No, we just kept oh. going and then an agency, a network came, we had then a bunch of networks came and like, we'd like to represent you and then we were like our agents were like it's time and we're like okay like they'll take care of all of that and then we were doing it once a week and then we realized if you do it more often then you can make more money so we're like oh well, then we'll do three days a week wow they're like wow. three we're like three if i can make triple i'm doing three days a week yeah <laughs> let's go <laughs> um, so now we, we have never run out of things to talk about so we just talked now for three days a week listen i okay. love that so beyond the podcast, you guys also have a book called Montreux. Um, and the cover never gets old, by the way. That is me too. We didn't we design it. it, but we love it too. It's yeah, a great it book. Yeah. You know what? It was perfect. Um, so we actually spoke two weeks ago on, on the pod to um, Carrie Cleveland and Michelle Bilodeau, who wrote the new wedding book. And they told us that writing a book is like a wild experience. So what was it like for you guys to write a damn book? You said Karen Cleveland, right? Yeah. She had called us to be her mentor when she started writing the book. Oh, that's amazing. Circle. Yeah. She had questions about, you know, who's going to represent you. Like how much did you, did you get like questions? If you've never wrote a book before, I mean, we learned actually so much bad choices too. Yeah. So much about the, um, about the industry that we would have never known. It was, and it was a long process and there was so much back and forth and it's not as easy. I mean, I don't know if I have, we kind of thought it might be just easy. It wasn't easy. It was, it was hard, but we knew what we wanted the book to really come. We wanted, you know, what we wanted people to feel when they read the book and we hadn't, we hadn't put into words a lot of the the experiences because a lot of our stuff was in video. 
So separate from how when someone has a blog and that's kind of the words are already there, our words were just audio. So it was, it was a really fun from process. Love, love the way the book feels, love that you can pick it up and put it down. It's not like you have to sit there and read the whole thing. And that whatever chapter you read as a mom, you kind of feel like it's your little lifeline. Like, okay, it's going to be okay. Cat and Nat, we, had, great, about this we had a great team around us who helped us with like bite. Like they knew that we didn't have to sit down and go from start to finish. We had team members like, cause we had a, a lot of content already done. It mm-hmm. was just bringing it together to put it into a format and storytell around it. So, you know, it was like bite-sized, like rather than like sit down in a room and write a book because we would never accomplish that. <laughs> we had a team who really, our publishing team, when we had an American, they they married together to make an American and Canadian deal yeah. for us. So they are both sides of the team were so helpful. And, um, and we got so lucky with the agent. Like we didn't know anything about agents. And basically when we got ours, everyone in the industry, like, how did you get Richard Abate to be your agent? We're like, dude, I don't know. It's one good thing that came out of that old asshole manager. Yeah. The one he thing, was, he but was. he took his piece. Still does. <laughs> but yeah, we're writing a new book oh, now. No. And I mean, the process, it's, it's so different now because we've already done it once, and it, but this is going to take a really long time. I think it's coming out fall 2022. I mean, um, will we even be alive then? Who knows? <laughs> yes, we will, sis. We will be having our yeah, drinks, we our will. cocktails. We'll be thriving. 2022 is our year, ladies. It has to oh be. Oh my gosh. I had to ask the eye doctor what year it was. She's like, you were last year, your kid's 2019. I'm like, what year are we right now? And she's like, 2021. I was like, God, it might have been a long time. I'm like, great question. How do you, how do you guys maintain consistency and your authenticity? It just shows like you're really sharing who you are, but how do you guys stay consistent and on top of it? Cause it's such a big, important part of what you do. Like in, in online? Yeah. Like, do you have formulas or do you just go for it? No. Like, is there, you know, on Monday we have to do this and Tuesday we have to do that. Um, or, no, no. <laughs> no. Everything <laughs> is on the floor. We don't even have a content calendar. Like we have, yeah. it's, it's yeah. like when we, the Today Show came and wanted Jenna? Jenna Bush to be on our mom truth. And they were like, so like studio, what's the plan? Is there a script? What camera do you use? Green screen, all this. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> with an iPhone. There is never a script for mom truth. There's never a script for anything that we do. It's all, it's they all, were like, what? And we're like, yeah, no, it's in our car with an iPhone. And they were like, oh, so we're sending Jenna Bush to your house. That's correct. She'll be coming into my living room and then we will go into the car and film. That's But everything is ignited from conversations the two of us have about being moms and women and entrepreneurs and everything. Even like all the podcasts, we go in, we don't plan on what we're going to talk about. We just verbal diarrhea and it seems to resonate because it's coming from, you know, such Uh a common place. I think a really good takeaway for everybody listening on that is that you can get caught up on social media with everybody telling you how you should do something or it should be like this, or you have to have this, this planner and this calendar, whatever, just know that some people need that. And that's great if you do, but there's a whole bunch of other people who don't need it and don't feel like you can't do something as a result of you feeling like you can't fit into this structured system. And I think it's so important that you say that because there's not one way to do anything. There's room for everybody. And that if it's not working for you, you don't have to fit into that formula. So it's and you know on that, that it's another thing for people that are listening is don't think that you have to plan everything out before you start. Just start. Yes. Like just jump and start. Like we did with our podcast. You know, we're like, well, we've got something to say, and somebody might want to listen to. Just go, and then you can you can shift things around later. But the, your experience is what's going to make you more comfortable in your voice. Right. And that's how you learn just by doing. So 
want to dig a little into like real life mom questions. And I have lo- almost all my friends are moms. Um, some new, some, you know, old in the way, like they're not, they have like older kids and all that stuff. But for somebody who is just becoming a mom, hit us with your best advice. I have new and improved advice that is based yes. on experience. It's really easy. Is this I, just in? Like this just this morning? I, well, no, you know how a lot of people ask, what's your one piece of advice for yeah, new yeah, moms? Yeah, yeah. I think that new moms have a really terrible way of wanting, they feel like they should do and be everything because that's the expectation that's put on us. So we're almost our worst enemy and men get a little, a a very bad rap because we assume that they're not competent because we have never let them do anything. So if you can, I wish I had let go of more earlier on. When we go on tour, I always say my husband never had to step up. He just, he never had to because he's always been there, but I never let him step up Mm -hmm. until I went away. I just think that if you can let go earlier and let them form having a divorced parents, I have a different relationship with my dad because there was no one else there to step in. And I realized my kids don't have that relationship with their dad until I went on tour and they had to rely on him and the way he did it. So if you're a new mom, step away, mm-hmm. step away and go for a coffee with your girlfriend, go for a walk. Don't leave a list. Don't leave instructions. Don't leave, just let them grow into the role. If you have a partner, if you don't, you know, that, that help have, have help mm-hmm. helping hands without you managing because moms tend to go away mm-hmm. and manage while they're away manage the people who are managing the children. And just like we said before, you can't learn if you don't have experience. So, you know, our husbands didn't know how to do anything because we, d- we didn't give them time to learn. And when I hear a new mom say like, if I, she's out or she's out or she's doing whatever and he's putting the baby to bed, I'm just like, yeah, you are so far ahead of where so many women are that you're able to let go of that. Like it's, I, my brother, my little brother just had a baby and the way that they are parenting their baby, they will drop off the kid at my mom's house and forget a freaking bottle. And I'm like, you're brilliant. I love that for you because I would write down a list to the minute of what to do with my babies for my own mother who raised me and my brothers. And we all turned out fine when they forget things or they, they just like, they went, or they're asleep and beside you wake them up. Like, Hey, I need your help. Don't resent them while they lie beside you go wake their ass up and say, Hey, it's your turn, but don't sit there and fester with the person sleeping beside you as you do it. Because I mean, that's just breeding anger and resentment. So really, and then we say they never do anything because it's this vicious cycle. So ask for what you want, because we have a tendency to micromanage and be super, yeah, super controlling partners and they can never do anything right. And it's just a recipe for disaster. So try your best to step away. And we're let really, me. really good at it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. And also don't like, you, there's this common idea that like you have to be a martyr. Like there's no, there's no need for that. You know, mm-hmm. you have help. You have to be able to ask for it. You guys launched Taylor V. Congratulations. Yes. Yeah. It's inspired by your daughters, Taylor and Olivia. The story behind it's very inspiring. So for people who don't know about it, could you share why you started this line with your daughter? This is such a hard and interesting topic because as we're, you know, we're, we're deep diving into the brand and having the conversations like we know we're, we want to take it to the next level. And it's so hard because the demographic that it is, which is, you know, tweens and teens is they haven't been 
they've started to be hammered with body identity, body problems, saying who they're not and, and what they aren't. And it's really hard because you don't want them to get to the place where every woman wants to be something different. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we're trying to create a brand that carves out, you know, you're just who you are, wherever you are, wherever you're at. And that's okay. Let's not put so much time and effort into what we can't change. Let's just live who we are and embrace that. You know, there was a bunch of high school kids walking by my house today and, you know, they're every size, right? Small, tall, large, big. And I said to my daughter, they're all in the same class. Look at them. Look at the different body types that they are. Like, let's acknowledge that we all grow differently. We all look differently. Let's celebrate that. Let's not try to force someone who is, you know, our daughters aren't small and that's okay. And, and they've, they've always been, they've always been uh, the, the, you know, the, everyone always thought they were so much older. People always commented on the way they look like, oh, you girls are so big for your age. And like, yeah. we understood that it was people making an observation, not knowing that every single time they run into someone, they say exactly that. Wait, you're only, a, you're only 11. You're so big for your age. So you're like, thanks, thanks tips. Yeah, Thank you, look, you so much. A woman, look at how big yeah. you are. Like, Thank you. I, you don't think I know that I look, don't look like every other, you know, 11 year old who is a twig. And, yeah. you know, we buy jean shorts it's for an 11 year old and they, they fit a five-year-old. Like, what are you to do? So Tay Libby is really a brand that's just beginning and, you know, yeah. we're finding our footing and, and we're trying to just change this narrative of girls having to fit into something or be something or pick this thing that they have to be. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. sickening that they have to be a size 11 or 12. And they, we, we have to go to the women's stores to shop for our daughters. And but women's clothing are not necessarily what they want to wear. And we wanted to carve out a space too, where the brand is about same thing that we like to do for moms, but we would like to, to make enough space for girls that age to find the fun because there's so much pressure that they have going on. So much time in their brain is wasted on their appearance. And we'd like to just have a brand where you can still have a good time. You can enjoy your teenagehood. When we started talking about this, women would stop and talk about a pivotal moment in their life when they realized that their size mattered and it wasn't usually their own interpretations. It was someone else who put it on them. And you know, every woman or whoever is listening to this, I encourage you because we're all guilty of it. When you see a child, don't comment on their size because they're very aware if they're too small, too big, too, you know, you don't need to point out to them. So, and if you're sitting there and you know that you've done that, don't put yourself about it. I literally, after Tay Libby was created and based on exactly that, I went to go pick up my son from school and there was, there's a girl in her class. I hadn't seen her since she was in junior kindergarten. Oh my gosh. She was so tall. And I almost said to her, Oh my God. And then I was like, this is, this is what I'll have to learn this. Don't freaking tell her she's tall. That's all she ever hears. And that has nothing to do with who she is, you know? Yeah. So it's yeah. all something that we all just need to change and just starting to change that narrative. No, it's thank so you so much for saying that. I feel like everyone needs to hear that and they don't even realize because it's just like your instant observation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You two ladies are huge inspirations to a lot of people around the world. So who do you two look up to? Is there anyone that you think, damn, they're doing it right? I love what they're doing. Every, Who's that every person? Every woman, every, every, you know, I, I would say Katriana right there. Yeah. Like all <laughs> us women in our community that are, that are killing it every day and standing up for themselves and raising their children. Like all of them add to the inspiration. Yeah. There isn't just one person. I do have to say, you know, single moms too, I see, a lot of what we can do is because we have another income 
and we can take risks that a lot of people can't take because we know that, you know, financially there will be a roof over our heads. And I think that that's really important to note that like, you know, our dreams were more accessible because we had two incomes and a lot of moms and women out there compare themselves to things that, you know, when you're trying to feed your family and you have to work three jobs and it's really amazing to dream, but it's hard. And I think we just admire so many moms who we've met along the way who, Mm -hmm. you know, are doing this and it's fucking hard and you don't catch a break. Like you're just put in a tight spot. And I just don't think no one ever tells a mom, you know, especially moms who don't have a support group, you're doing a great job, even though you feel like you're failing every day and you're not enough. And I just think, you know, your kids would never want someone different and they they love you, even though you're freaking feel like you're, you know, the worst mom ever, you're not. And And you know, when we look back on building this brand, uh, it was so many women who are willing to help us, you know, for free, just give advice. Yeah. Um, and come to our events exactly. to help other women. Just like Katriana, you, just you like know me. what I mean? You came, you did, you know, you definitely know us and you came and you offered advice to other women. Like we have seen so much of that when we get a lot of a bad rep for being, you know, being really competitive and not so nice to each other. In our experience, we're able to see so much bright light. Tra- Tracy Moore actually was one of also uh, one of the very first ones to take a chance on us. And she came to our fucking living room while we did a pretend live stream show. We didn't even have a live stream. And she's like, I'll she, come here. I'll be on your show on a Tuesday night. She showed up and she just, she, we, you know, we kept pitching ourselves and she's like, not yet girls, you're not there yet. And then we just, she's like, keep going, just keep trying. And cause I we wanted to go on the show cause we wanted to talk about our brand and not be on behalf of other brands. And we'd never had that opportunity because we don't really have a brand yet. And she just, she just, you know, she's been such a huge, like she was actually one of the number one people who kind of, um, opened the door for us. So I, and she was like, now's your time. She looked at us and she was like, you two are going to be in her living room. She's like, I don't know what you two are. And I don't know what's going on, but it's going to be something. She literally said that to us and I'll never forget that moment. So, um, you know, as a woman who just walked in and Freaking! I don't even. I would. I actually. We have to go back and ask her why she did that. Because <laughs> it was why any of the people came into my room. No, I don't know either. Because <laughs> collaboration over competition. Like when you're collaborative with the people around you, it like everything. In my opinion, is just better. That is better. You right. support each other and you do it like without thought of like getting something back from it. And that's the most real way that you can do stuff because that good energy comes back to you in the world. Facts yeah. on facts. You know, that's what's so fun sometimes about podcasting too, is that- Yeah, yeah, so you get to have conversations with each other. What do you guys do when you're like not on the same page, when you're misaligned or does that ever happen? We just beat the what? shit out of yeah. it and keep talking and keep talking and keep talking and keep talking. Like, no, it's never like, you're terrible. No, you're terrible. It's just like- We talk it out. Yeah, it's like, let's- uh, And we have the same, we always have the same mission in mind. So once we talk it out and we find like each other's like passions or, um, you know, feelings on it, we'll end up somewhere and we'll always, we'll always come up with the decision in the end. It's not um, adversarial. It's like you and you, you two versus a problem or rather than you like one versus the other. Exactly. That is a great interpretation. (laughs) Yes. Um, Tell us about your relationships with your hubbies. I mean, I <laughs> should know that both of you have husbands named Mark. Mark with a K, Mark with so a C. Crazy. Like and crazy. a brother uh, named Mark. Oh my, here we go. Let's hear okay. about how your relationships are with your husbands. I will tell you, we were really hardcore stay-at-home moms. And I mean that we had 
really high expectations of ourselves as moms. And, you know, we lived and breathed our children in state. We didn't even, when we started our business, we didn't, we wouldn't even leave until they were all in bed and like an hour out. Like it was crazy. And we cooked and we cleaned. It was crazy. And and, uh, our husbands, when we changed the game, you know, they changed with us and it hasn't been flawless and easy. A hundred percent. No, but you know, we are two moms who travel a lot and half the time with male strippers, right? Like they come on the road with us and they're like resident male strippers. So they live with us on the road and our husband's are fine with it. And, and so I have the, the reason I say male strippers is because they're actually more so much more than strippers or dancers that they like are basically our family now. But when our husbands are come to the show, they go up and they talk to them like they're part of our team. You know what I mean? Like it's like they understand us so much better and they're here for it. Now, listen, it took taking money, making money for them to really get into on board with us. It wasn't like you go achieve your dreams. It was like, if you're not making money, you got to validate why taking time away and paying for for a babysitter is is what are we doing here? Yeah. It, you was, know? it was a transition of for course, sure. but in the end, I I think we really picked the right we both, yeah. which is really lucky, picked the right guys because we know friends of ours whose husbands would not be cool with any of this, and our husbands really they, they changed with us and they've come to a place where they really respect what we do. They love that we make money and they have become friends in their own, in their own way too. I will say we've never changed. Like my husband, I was like on the bar dancing when we met and I had a blow up doll at my wedding and like an, you know, like an after party that went all night. Like, it's not like I've changed, like he's accepted. He accepts me as I am wherever I am. And I'm not a different person. I think they like that about yeah, us. Yeah, they married girls like this. They knew what and they married. I, yeah, they, we <laughs> do, out hard. They don't try to change us. They never yeah. try to change us. So yeah. that's the best. I think that's why our marriages work because we are constantly changing and they let us do that. And they just stay the same. <laughs> <laughs> that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys ever had like struggles where you had to work through when you had these transitions? Yeah. Both of us, I had noticed this recently. I know a lot of people get into like heated arguments with their partners and, and we don't um, get cat does. We don't argue a lot with our partners. Again, we talk, we talk it out or we give each other space, but there's not, it's not like one of those intense, you know, those relationships where like the sex is crazy, but the fights are crazy too. You know, it's not like it's a nice, even killed partnership, you Um, I want to chat about your tour life because I personally just, I want to go on tour. Like it's a dream, whether it be with an artist, whether it be when we do our conversations with Coco and friends tour. Do it. Yeah. Right. Um, Tell us like, what were your main takeaways after going on tour for the next one? What would you do differently? Let's hear it. The funny thing is, is that when we first started going on tour, we knew we could sell tickets. We knew people wanted to come. We knew we liked doing it. We knew we made people happy. But I remember Kat saying at one point, I just, when you look out from backstage and you see like you're in a freaking city you've never heard of and you have 2,000 women who have purchased tickets, she'd be like, there's a time where she's like, I don't get it. Why, Why are, are you here? here? Why, <laughs> you, um, Why are you here? Like, just curious. <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> and I was always like, you know, like we all make each other feel good. Like on a base level, I understood the whole thing. No, I and never did. Like, I don't. I don't I just get, don't get it. it. Why do they look at me like that? Why are they excited to see me? I'm like, it's just me. It's not a big deal. I just remember when you came to that understanding because we had heard enough women tell their stories to us that you were like, 
I fucking, it was like a year in, I think I get why they're here. Yeah, it took, it took two cops and an accident for me to realize why. You're going to have to elaborate. Okay, so there was an accident that happened and it wasn't my fault. And I went into, I went to the reporting station to go to the reporting station. It was a fucking shit show because it was a, a storm that day. So I'm sitting there and there's these two guys and I'm like, they're like right in front of me and I'm watching them and they're like, the way they're talking, the way they're interacting, the way they're like the whole, they were, we were really close and I was watching them and obviously I'd start talking to them <laughs> and get their story. And I'm like, they couldn't, they were too intimate to be a couple. Okay. Figure that out. You just know when, like, I think we're too intimate to be a couple, which is a whole nother conversation. And the one guy wasn't going to leave the other guy because he wanted to make sure that he could get home, et cetera. Fast forward, basically they were two cops who had been partners forever. And one of them had been almost sideswiped. But the way they were talking, like the way they had each other's back without even talking made me feel like there was good in the world. Like it made me feel safe in a way that wasn't about anything other than this really simple relationship that was about the goodness of the other person. They had no expectations of each other, but like the goodness. And I, I think a lot of people find comfort in a friendship where it's a safe place that you know you're not going to hurt each other. There's no expectations. You know, I don't want anything from her other than the best of what the best for her with nothing else for me. You know, in a marriage, there's sex, there's expectations. Budget. You, mm -hmm. But in a friendship, it's like there's a pureness that you can't find anywhere else in anything. So when I, she called me, she's like, oh my God, I know why people come to our show. Because Aww. I just liked watching them. And I was like, I hope you two stay together for, but I could tell, I could just see it. And I was like, you make me feel happy and safe in the world. That's what, that's what a lot of people don't have. So, and a yeah. lot of people have had it at one point in their life. They do have it or they're, or, or maybe they're separated from their friend or they wish that they had it. And all of those different scenarios, they feel that they can, they can relate to us and it makes them feel good. So we've had women who've lost that person and oh. they just call they email us or they stop us you know like devastated because they know it's not replaceable but they, they know we know what it is if that yeah. makes sense yeah and it's like she's like I don't mean to be crying you just give me comfort in knowing that you know what I had and I'm like we know what you had mm -hmm. you know so yeah yeah, I think it's just a pureness that feels good for people to see a pureness of friendship and, and laughter. And, and and during the show, I could be totally wrong. No, you're right. Okay, good. No, you're um, definitely right. You're right. The, the other thing is during our show, we have lots of outrageous things. You know, we've got a DJ, we've got dancing, people are drinking, we're doing our podcast, we're making jokes, confessions. But there's always a segment in there that's the best friend segment where we highlight people send in their stories about their best friends, and we highlight that story on stage. And that's the one moment in the show where everything sort of changes just a little bit and it's like it gives you goosebumps everybody's crying we bring them up on stage they get to embrace they have no idea their best friend either sent in a video or a story and and you're just sitting there and you're like and sometimes crying. um people come alone and someone will stop one of our team members and nominate the person who came alone and so we'll bring up the person who came alone and you know like we're like you're never alone so we just try to highlight uh, people who, yeah, have done extraordinary, ordinary things or people who come alone and they leave with, you people know, hugging uh, each other that they imagine hugging, hugging each other. <laughs> if there's someone alone in the audience, girls come around them and support them. And it's just, it's such a beautiful, beautiful, magical moment that really is the basis for why all this started. And then we go and bring on the dancers. You yeah. know, it's not everything. It's well around. And then women like barf in their purses yeah. and dry hump the stripper. That's all fine. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank you so much, ladies. It's been just like such a joy to talk to you. You have such great energy and you bring so much to so many different women from all different walks of life. You're these two women, these two blonde women who can speak to women all over the world and make them feel like you know they have a friend. So we really appreciate you being you and sharing that with the world. Because I know Thank it you so much. Sorry we talk so much. No, I feel no, like we talked the whole time. Never, never apologize. Really yes, you sorry. Really good. Good. You guys are great interviewers. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Conversations with Coco and Friends. Don't forget to rate this podcast five giant stars on Apple. Leave a comment and follow us on Spotify. You can find Kat and Nat on the gram at Kat and Nat. Cat like C-A-T and A-N-D-N-A-T. And you can keep up with us at Coco and Co. And if y'all don't already know, it's at Coco and Co. C-O-W-E. Peace. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.